My name is Grant. I'm the campus pastor here at Grace Winter Garden, and I am so glad you're with us. And today's a special day for a couple reasons. One, you may have seen all of the eight balloons that are out there. Uh, today actually marks our eighth birthday as a campus. So, like, Grace Winter Garden is eight years old today. That's a clap moment. Yeah, that's a clap moment. Yeah. But uh, Oviedo, our Oviedo campus, is celebrating their 10th birthday today. And so our, although they're older, we are younger and cuter. And so that is our campus. We are eight years old today, and we are celebrating that. And what's really cool is that as I look around this room, there are people here who were here eight years ago. But the majority of us were not. And so what is incredible, and, and I wasn't either, by the way. I've only been here five. And so when I look back, like where I think about where I was eight years ago, God was preparing a home for my family here. And I didn't know it. God was preparing a place where I would take my next steps. God was preparing a place where my kids would be baptized. God was preparing a place where, where our, our marriage would take new steps together towards Jesus. And so uh, he did the same thing for you. And so today as we celebrate, it's not just like, wow, we made it. We've been here eight years. Because, I mean, I can shut this thing down in a minute. So it's not about the length of it. Instead, this is about celebrating all that God has done for us over these past eight years. And that includes each and every one of us. We're sitting here because of his faithful work over the past eight years. And so also today marks our fall kickoff. And so every year around this time, we do, we do something called fall kickoff. Now, this is a time of year where we celebrate the start of a new ministry year. And so we have, uh, we kick off our groups and we kick off, uh, we kick off a new sermon series and we do a big party, which is outside. And that's one of the things we're going to celebrate together. There's a bounce house and all that. I'm sure some of you look rather sweaty. It looks like you were already there. Uh, and so maybe you've already checked it out. Well, we're going to have a big party out there afterwards, and that's going to be great, but fall kickoff, again, it's more than just a big party. This is a time where a lot of people took their first steps towards Jesus on a day like today. A lot of people took their, their, their big next step towards Jesus on a day like today. Some people in this room, I know you're here because last fall kickoff, someone invited you. You showed up and God met you here. Some of you in this room, I know that, that on a fall kickoff was when you gave your life to Jesus and we baptized you in the next month, right? Like, I know that those things happen, and so I know the same thing's going to happen today. And so we are really excited for what God's going to do for us today. So I already told you that at Fall Kickoff, we kick off a new sermon series. So here's what we're doing today. I want to put it up here. Where it's called Best Practices Developing Solid Spiritual Habits. And we're going to be looking at 1 Timothy chapter 4. So since we're diving into the middle of a letter, let me give you some context. So Paul's writing to Timothy, and, and what's happening is in, in Ephesus, so if you know the book of Ephesians, the church in Ephesus, there are false teachers that are rising up, walking away from Jesus and teaching people things that aren't true. And so what Paul says, he says, hey, Timothy, I want you to go confront them. I want you to confront those false teachers. And that's what he's doing. And so here in chapter four, where we're going to pick up, Paul's specifically addressing those false teachers and the bad teaching they have. And so I want to look at it with you real quick. Let's start there in verse one and two. Now, the spirit explicitly says that in later times, some will depart from the faith, paying attention to deceitful spirits and the teachings of demons through the hypocrisy of liars whose consciences are seared. You guys happy? Is that a good happy verse, right? Like, welcome to fall kickoff. Their conscience are seared. They got demons, right? Like, that's how we're, that's how we're kicking off, all right? Welcome to grace. And But you know, like, like, what he's talking about here is, look, he's saying, look, don't be alarmed. There will be people within the church who will rise up and they'll start to teach things that aren't true and they'll walk away from Jesus. And, and the reason why I think this matters is because the same thing happens today. Like, it started then and it's continued on today. And so I want to zoom in on what 
what their message is. And so what is their message? Well, if we look again at the scripture, it's already highlighted the teachings of demons. Now, hang on a second. I just want to tell you, we're not that kind of church, all right? Like, we, I know you hear that, and we are not going to start casting out demons in the service. You know, unless, of course, like, I sent something, and hang on a second. What's your name? No, I'm just kidding. No, I'm just kidding. No, no, no. You're good. You're good. Not so good over here, but you're good over there. But like, no, no, that's not what we're talking about. And so when I come across passages like this that are difficult to understand, one of the things I always do is I go back to the Garden of Eden. And here's why. I think the Garden of Eden is the perfect picture of our relationship to God and our relationship to one another. And I think all of scripture is, the, is in the Garden of Eden. I think the whole, the whole history of humanity with God, you see it there in that story. And so I went back there with this. I was going, okay, what is the teaching of demons. What does that mean? And so I went, go, I went back to the Garden of Eden and I think I found something helpful. So the serpent says to Eve, hey, what did, uh, did God tell you you really couldn't eat of that tree? And she says, well, actually God, God said we can't eat of it and we can't even touch it or we're going to die. And so look at the serpent's response. This is the first teaching of demons in the scriptures. And this is the teaching that continues to this day. Let's check it out. Genesis 3. He says, no, you'll not certainly die, the servant said to the woman. In fact, God knows that when you eat it, your eyes will be opened and you'll be like God, knowing good and evil. Do you see that? That's it. That's the first teaching of demons. And it's happening again today. And you go, hang on, so don't eat fruits? No, that's not what I'm telling you. Don't eat vegetables. That's what I'm telling you. But no, 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 that's not not what it's telling us. Instead, what he's saying is, is, is what? God is holding out on you. You need to trust yourself, right? Like, like no, you're not going to certainly die. In, in fact, good things are going to happen to you. And that's how I would sum up the teaching of demons. That's the lie that I would say started back then and has gone throughout all of human history and is being taught even today. And so, again, I'll sum it up this way. I'm going to put it up on the screen. God is holding out on you, so trust yourself. That's the lie. That's the teaching of demons. And here's the thing. We hear it, and if we're honest, there are times we believe it. Absolutely, there are times we believe it. We go through difficult times, we go through challenging times, and we go, you know what? There's something better out there, and I should have it, and I'm not. And so God's holding out on me, so I better trust myself. I better figure it out. But we know this isn't true. We know this isn't true. And so how do we not fall for this? Because we do. How do we not fall for this lie over and over again? Well, look at the text. In verse 3 through 4. They forbid marriage and demand abstinence from food. So this is part of their false teaching. They're saying, look, God's not pleased by marriage. God is not pleased by you eating these certain types of food. But he says that God created to be received with gratitude by those who believe and know the truth. For everything created by God is good and nothing is to be rejected if it's received with thanksgiving. So there, there it is. Thanksgiving leads us to the truth. It reminds us that God is generous, right? It reminds us that God actually isn't holding out on us. God is very generous to us and it leads us back to that truth. And so why do we keep falling for that old lie then? We see like gratitude's the answer. Thanksgiving is the way, the thing that we need to practice so that we don't fall for the old lie. Why do we keep falling for the old lie? We need to ask, what's the opposite of Thanksgiving? I think it's complaining. I think the opposite of Thanksgiving is complaining. And we can all be quick to complain. I know some of you out there, you're like, I'm not like that or whatever, you know, but this person. So let me just tell you, if you're married right now, do not look at your spouse, all right? Like, look straight ahead. We're about repairing marriages, not destroying marriages, all right? So there are people in your life who are quick to complain, but honestly, we all are. And I want you to think about the last time you complained about something stupid. Like you realize it was stupid even in the moment or maybe later you realize why in the world was I complaining about this. The other day, just a couple of days ago, uh, my, my kids, they walk home from school and so there was gonna be a thunderstorm because it's Florida and that's what happens in the afternoons. And so I called up the school and I said, hey, 
I'm a great dad. And so I don't want my kids to walk home in this thunderstorm. Uh, so I'm going to come pick them up. Just tell them. And they're like, sir, tell us your name first. I was like, I'm the great dad. Look it up. So anyway, they, I, I get in this line. And it's an incredibly long line that's just weaving through. Because apparently there's other great dads. And so they were all in this line to pick up their kids. And we're waiting. And I've been waiting 20 minutes. And then that guy shows up. You know that guy. Where the rules are not for this guy, right? They're for you, not for him, not that guy. So he decides to skip the line and he goes in the, where it says do not enter, he goes up that driveway and now he's right by me and he's trying to squeeze in between me and the car in front of me. And I was like, not today, Satan. And so like I'm sitting there and I'm like, it's not happening, bro. And so what happens, I start complaining in that moment. I start complaining, not to anybody, but to myself. I'm like, who is this Can you believe this guy? I took a picture of him, and I texted it to my wife, and I was like, can you believe this guy? What? And I'm complaining. Someone calls me, they go, what are you doing? And I was like, thinking about murder, right? Like, thinking about how long could I do in prison? And so I'm just like, I'm just furious at this point. Well, I see that they start to let the kids out. And I'm like, nah, it's go time, right? So I put it in drive, and I do the thing where you inch up real close to the car in front of you, just like a, you're not getting in, dude. And so I realized the first car can't get out because he's blocking the driveway. He drove up the exit. And I was like, I gotta let him in, you know? And so I'm like, you got it. And so he goes in front, and you know what he does? You know what he does? He gives me the wave. You know what I'm talking about? The wave that says, I'm wrong, I'm stupid, thank you. That's the wave. He even put his head down. Like, he wouldn't even look at me. He was like, I'm so wrong, right? Like, and he gives me the wave, and it was all fine. Like, immediately, all of my anger left, and I was like, you know what? He's probably having a bad day, you know? Like, and I started to think, you know, like, the queen just died. People grieve in different ways. Like, I don't know what's going on with this guy, and I just, I just, like, I just absolutely let him go, right? And I think back, like, it wasn't, it wasn't worth complaining about. But we do that. We're, we're quick to complain. And, and here's the thing. Even though I think complaining and thanksgiving are complete opposites, I do think that they have something in common. And here's what they have in common. They tell us a story. They tell us a story. And that story influences us in a really powerful way. But they tell very different stories. Like complaining tells a story about what's wrong. That's what complaining does. It tells a story about what's wrong. When I became a parent, I was thinking about all the difficulties that would come along with being a parent. And I was like, I got this. You know what I mean? Like, I've watched Boy Meets World. I know how to parent. And so, like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be able to figure this out. And I was not ready for the emotional strain of my kids complaining at Disney World. Anybody else? Anybody else with me on that, right? Like, you spend all this money, and you bring them there, and they want to leave. Like, we can walk into Magic Kingdom, and my son will go, when are we leaving? And I go, what are you talking about, right? We just enter into a world of fancy and magic. Like, what are you doing right now? And he's like, I want to go home. And I go, why? He goes, because I want to watch YouTube. And I was like, you want to watch you? You don't watch people unbox toys when we have roller coasters to ride? What are you thinking, bro, right? And I'm just, I just oh, it just gets me so upset thinking about it, and, and it made me understand why parents tell the uh, back in my day stories, right? When I was a kid stories, because that's what I do in that moment. Immediately I tell that story and I go, when I was your age, I only went to Disney once and people smoked on airplanes, right? And I'm trying to like, I'm trying to get across to him what? Stop focusing on what you don't have and start focusing on what you do have. Because what's happening is as he's complaining and as he's telling a story about what's wrong and only what's wrong, he's missing everything that is right. And that story is telling telling him this lie that mom and dad are holding out on me. 
That what they're giving me right now is not good. There's something better out there. We do the same thing with God. When we start complaining and we start telling a story about everything that's wrong, about all that's wrong in our life, we start to believe that original lie, that teaching of demons, that God is holding out on us. And you've been there and I've been there. I should have that relationship I wanted by now. I should be a parent by now. I should be married by now. Like I should have this opportunity by now. I shouldn't have to deal with this health issue right now. And so when we complain, we tell a story of what's wrong and we start to believe that lie that God is holding out on us. But complaining not only tells a story about what's wrong, it also tells a story where you have to be the hero because that's the other half of the lie, right? If God's holding out on you, then you have to trust who? Yourself. Because you can't trust him because he's holding out on you. So it's all on your shoulders. And it's a crushing weight. If we go back to verse 3, when we look at those false teachers, and they're talking about don't eat this meat or, or, or don't get married, what they're doing is they're trying to be their own heroes. They're trying to save themselves. They're trying to make themselves more holy and more acceptable. And what happens? It's just a heavier weight on them. And we do the same thing. When you complain, what are you left with? What are you left with? You're left with a bigger problem, right? Because the problem just looks bigger than ever and more pressure on your shoulders to fix it. You're the hero. You gotta figure it out. I have to do better. I have to make myself better. I have to fix it. And where does this complaining end? Well, the complaining tells a story that ends with less. When you're done complaining, are you more happy? Are you more patient? Are you more hopeful? Are you more filled with faith, right? Like, do you have more life or less? Are you more free, right? No, this story always ends us with less than what we started with. But here's the good news. We can tell ourselves a different story. So if complaining tells a story about what's wrong, Thanksgiving tells a story about what's right. Verse four, for everything created by God is good. Complaining tells us a story that God's holding out on us. Thanksgiving tells us the truth that he is not, that God is generous. I had, um, there's a family in our church that just had a baby and it's their first and uh, if you remember parents, like the, the adjustment of going from zero to one, pretty big adjustment, right? Like that's a giant adjustment. And so I was calling him and I was checking on him. I said, hey, how are you doing, man? And he goes, I am, I am just like, I'm unbelievably tired. Like I'm a level of tired I didn't think was possible. I was like, yeah, man, I get it. He's like, I feel delirious. And he really was. Like he was in our conversation. He's literally like, he, he's, he's mixing up his words and he, he's confused. And so I, I even said, man, do you even know what day it is? And he's like, October? And I was like, you nailed it, right? And so he's just like, he's just so tired. It makes me think about like, those days for us like when we were in that place with our kids when they were newborns like that and I really specifically think about when our twins were newborn and how, how difficult those days were and I remember a specific instance where my son Jude uh, my boy twin he woke up um, and I had to go up there to him and immediately you know what happened I started complaining I started telling myself the story of everything that was wrong and I'm just like, oh, he's up again, and I don't know what this is. I'm like stomping up the stairs, and I was like, an angel's asleep. And I mean, I know she woke up last time, but like she should wake up again. And anyway, so I'm just like, I'm up there, and I'm checking him, and, and he's dry, his diaper's dry, and I'm like, oh, he wants a bottle. I'm not going to go fix a bottle. And I'm doing all that, and I'm just complaining, and I'm feeding him, and I'm just, I'm so tired, and, and he's, I don't even know if he wants this. And, and so what happens is he drinks the entire bottle, and uh, parents, you know, like, you've gotten your, your baby's uh, milk drunk? You gotten them milk drunk before? You know what I mean? So he finished the bottle and he wouldn't go to sleep. Like he was just like, huh. And he's just like sitting there and he's like giggling and cooing and making the noises that only babies can make. And he starts grabbing at my face. And, and I remember in that moment like something changed and I wasn't complaining anymore. Instead, I was really grateful to be there with him. I was super happy to have him in my lap. 
to have his attention, to be able to have this moment with him. And I remember instead of complaining, I switched to thanksgiving. Instead of talking about everything that was wrong, I just started talking about everything that was right. I was like, God, thank you so much for this sweet little boy. Thank you for this moment with him. Help me never forget it. You know, thank you for, for this, this kid who wants my attention. Thank you for giving me this blessing that I get to be this little guy's dad. Thank you. Thank you for all of it, or absolutely all of it. I went from telling myself a story of why me to a story of why me? How did I get so lucky to have this? And, and so my, my question for you is, are you telling yourself the story of what's right in your life rather than what's wrong? Are you telling yourself the story of what's right in your life rather than what's wrong? And I know, I know work is tough. I know that your health is a challenge right now. I know that your relationship's barely hanging on. I know you've suffered incredible loss, but God is still good. God is still for you. He's still committed to you, and he still gives good gifts. Will you look for them? Are you looking for them? Will you look for them? Will you see them? Will you acknowledge them? So are you telling yourself the story of what's right? Are you telling yourself the story of what's wrong? And so complaining uh, tells a story when you have to be, where you have to be the hero, but thanksgiving tells a story where God's the hero. Because Thanksgiving tells us that God's always been generous, so we can trust him to continue to provide for us. If we go back to verse four, for everything created by God is good, and nothing is to be rejected if it's received with Thanksgiving. Paul's talking about these false teachers, they had to be their own hero, they had to create their own goodness, and because of that, they're rejecting good gifts that God has for them. And they're going, no, no, they just need to trust him. They don't need to keep rejecting, they just need to be grateful that he's their hero, that he'll provide for them, and he will, right? And the same thing is true for you and me. When I was in, uh, when I was in seminary, um, we had to get volunteer hours. And the volunteer hours had to be approved. We, could, we couldn't just volunteer anywhere. We had to volunteer somewhere they approved. And they had this long list. I remember seeing on the list was a hospice ministry uh, connected to one of the local area churches. And I was like, I've never done anything like that but let's do it. I'm ready. Let's go. And so I remember they, they gave me the name. I went through this training, and they gave me this, the name of this lady. And so they were saying, you're going to go to her home. Um, and she's, she's, she's going to be in bed. She's bedridden, you know, and she's, she's getting close, right? And you're going to go spend time with her. And so I was like, you know what? Fine. I've done all the classes. I'm super trained. I had, like, my Bible under my arm, right? I was a good Southern Baptist. I had my Bible under my arm. I knew, like, if she cries, I'm going to read this verse. If she's scared, I'm going to read this verse, right? Like, I'm going to do this, right? I remember I walked in, and that's not the person I found. She wasn't afraid. She wasn't crying. She wasn't sad. Instead, she was incredibly grateful. And so I started asking her about her life, and she's telling me about her kids and her grandkids, and her husband had passed years before, but she told me about their marriage and all that God had given her and the life that God had given her, the career that she had and the ministry she got to be a part of and all the people that she's met during the hospice care. And it was just gratitude and gratitude and gratitude. She wasn't telling a story of everything that was wrong. She's telling a story of everything that was right. And so I, I remember I just, I couldn't leave the room without asking her. I was like, so, I mean, it's like, like the end for you. You know what I mean? Like, like this is it. Now I know that's probably not a good thing to ask in a hospice care, but like I was 21, I didn't know, and like I'd never been in that situation, but I was like, this is, it's getting, it's getting dark out there, isn't it? Like, like this is it. So are you, how are you feeling? Are you afraid? Are you, are you scared? Whatever, because I've got Bible verses, right? Like I'm ready. Like how are you feeling? And she goes, no, I'm. I'm at peace. And I go, like, how? Like, how is that? Because you remember being 21, right? At 21, you're never going to die. You're going to live forever, right? Like, at 21, you wake up and your back doesn't hurt. Do you remember the last time you woke up and your back didn't hurt? You're going to live forever, right? And so I, was, I, I just couldn't wrap my head around being okay with the idea of it being over here. And then she goes, you know, God has 
always had me. He's always got me. And he's got me right now, and he always will. And I went, that's it. Like, she had just spent the last hour in Thanksgiving. She had just spent the last hour talking about how God was her hero over and over and over again. He showed up here and he did this for me and he did this for me and he did this for me. And so now in the middle of this difficulty, where that story is leading her is that God is still her hero. She said he's always been there. Why would he stop now? He's with me now and he always will be. And so maybe there's an area of your life where you need to be reminded that you don't have to be the hero of your own story. God is that hero for you. So maybe you have incredible anxiety around your work. Look to give thanks. Tell that story of thanksgiving and see where God has already been the hero for you and trust him to be the hero again. Maybe you have anxiety over your relationship. Look back and see how God has always been the hero of your heart and how he will continue to be so. Maybe you have anxiety over your future. Look back and give thanks and see how God has always been that hero and how he will continue to be. You know, where complaining ends with a story of less. You have less than what you started with. Thanksgiving ends with more. Because Thanksgiving opens us up to more of God. Because what Thanksgiving does is it takes our eyes off of the immediate problem and it puts them on the eternal God, right? The one who's always there and always will be there. I had a very, um, a very clear moment of this that happened in my life, um, and, and it was around this scripture in Philippians 4. Can I show it to you? Maybe you're familiar with it. Philippians 4, 6 through 7, it says, Don't be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Um, so, uh, thinking, I told you about my, my son Jude, um, his sister, his twin sister, Piper. Um, there was a time in our life where we, during one year, we were admitted to the hospital with her five or six different times. And she was having breathing issues. And I remember uh, going and we would be admitted and they would give her breathing treatments and we'd stay overnight. And then we would leave with kind of the promise that you'll be back. Just over and over and over again. And I remember on one of these stays, uh, I, I couldn't sleep. I just had all this anxiety built, built up. And so my wife is asleep on the, the hospital couch, which is a specific kind of torture, if you ever slept on one of those. But she's there. My daughter is in the crib, and she's hooked up to all these machines, but she's finally asleep. And I'm sitting in the recliner uh, that's also a bed. And uh, I, can't, I can't sleep. I'm just, I'm just overwhelmed with anxiety. And I, I want to tell you, I was praying. I'm not the best like prayer in the entire world. I've met really good ones, right? Like I'm not the best, but man, that night I was praying. I'd pray circles around all of you that night, right? Like I am begging God to do something. Will you heal my girl? I know you can. I know you can make everything out of order, in order in her body right now. Will you heal her? Please, please God, will you heal, heal her? You are our only hope. I'm praying and I'm begging, God, would you change this situation? Could we walk out of this hospital room and never walk back? And I prayed and prayed and prayed and I thought about the scripture. And I said, prayer and supplication, you got it. Petition, that's me. Then I realized I hadn't, I hadn't given any thanks. So I said, okay. So I stood next to her bed and I, I, I switched gears. I stopped telling myself a story of everything that was wrong. And I, I tried to tell myself everything that was right. And I said, okay, God, thank you. Thank you for this sweet little girl. Thank you for the joy that she brings to my life. Thank you for this hospital. Thank you for the people that can take care of her and can make her feel better. Thank you that my wife is getting some rest finally. Thank you for that. 
Thank you for my family who is here with us and is providing for us. Thank you for a church that's gathered around us. I thank you that I have a job that isn't rushing me to get back, but is telling me to stay here with my family and take care of them. Thank you. Thank you for all that you've done to bring me to this point. Thank you for being here. And can I tell you guys, in that moment, there was this peace that washed over me. There was this moment where I just had relief that I hadn't had in days and days and days. There were mo- there's this moment where God showed up in a way that I didn't know he could do. And so maybe there is more faith and more peace and more hope for you in that difficult part of your life just on the other side of Thanksgiving. You've prayed and you should have, good. You've made petition and you should have, good. But maybe the faith you need and the joy you need and the hope you need and the peace you need is just on the other side of giving thanks, just on the other side of taking your eyes off of the immediate problem and turning them onto the eternal God who loves you so much. So maybe our next step today is really simple. Maybe it's this. Maybe it's 1 Thessalonians 5, which tells us, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Maybe that's it. You know, we've got a party to get to outside, and we've got new people to meet. I see all kinds of new people in here. I hope you meet a ton of people. I hope you have a great time this afternoon. I hope you, I hope you have like lifelong friends that you get to meet today. That would be an incredible thing. Before we do any of that, before we move on with the rest of the the, the fun and the rest of the day, why don't we take this step together? Why don't we practice it? Why don't we right now, why don't we bow our head and close our eyes? Why don't we give thanks? So would you do that with me? Just in the quietness of your own heart and mind, would you give thanks? If you have a particular area of your life where you're struggling with anxiety right now, I want you to think about giving thanks around that situation. You've seen everything that's wrong and you've told yourself everything that's wrong about that situation, but can you tell yourself everything that's right? Can you see how God is with you? Can you see how he's provided for you? Can you give him thanks? So I wanna give us just a few moments, just a couple of minutes to give thanks before God together. So do that now. Jesus, thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. I don't say it enough. I don't. I'm the first one in the room to tell myself the story of everything that's wrong before I'll tell myself the story of everything that's right. I'm the first one in the room to to put all the pressure on myself to be the hero instead of trusting you to be my hero. So God, I want to stop and say thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Would you grow in me a heart of thanksgiving? Would you grow in my brothers and sisters hearts of thanksgiving? May we not be so easily susceptible to the lie that you're holding out on us. And we have to trust ourselves. Instead, may we have hearts that are constantly looking to you, that are constantly telling us the story of what's right, that are constantly telling us the story where God is our hero, that is constantly opening us up to more and more you have for us would you grow those hearts of thanksgiving please we have so much to be grateful for thank you for your love for us thank you for your attention today thank you for being here and hearing us today we love you
It's in your name we pray.